Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 16. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we posted our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 15, The Day of the Lord, Part 4, on September 11th. In that episode, we learned, sober, besides meaning drunk with wine, also means Live a sober, righteous, and godly life, not mad or insane, not wild, given to impractical or speculative ideas, or heated with passion. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. The word use for sleep or asleep in biblical context means, simply stated, of a clouded and or unattentive mind and heart. If we are to live a righteous and godly life, quote-unquote, we need both a clear or sober mind and heart. We learned also that we need to be sober-minded, watchful, and circumspect. Commentary thus made the claim, a person who expects soon to see the Son of God coming to judgment ought to be a sober man or woman, meaning not only not drunk, but sober-minded, watchful, and circumspect. We know from Scripture that His return may occur at any moment. This is why we should be... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 15, The Day of the Lord, Part 4. For more, listen to this entire summer series, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Parts 1 through 16. This week, we will review and hopefully clear up any issues from each episode. This will be delivered in two parts. Next week's episode will be the last on this subject for this year. These will be snippets, so I may not be able to cover the specific issue any one person may be struggling with. For that, I do apologize. With that said, starting with Episode 1, we can find Bible verses in both the Old and New Testaments, besides the Book of Revelation, on this subject. It is a foregone conclusion and fact that there is some form of catching up of the Bride of Christ to heaven. Those who are saved in Christ, male and female, make up this Bride. Until a few years ago, four dominant thoughts on the rapture or catching up existed. 1. A pre-tribulation rapture or ascension of God's church his people saved in him. 2. 
a mid-tribulation ascension of the church at large and those added to it in the first half of the tribulation period. 3. A post-tribulation ascension quickly followed by the return of God's people with Christ coming down to rule for a thousand years. 4. A varied theory made more complex by involving parts of the three previously mentioned theories and now more modern thoughts as well. This makes this subject most confusing because of its puzzle-like piecing together of scripture and thought by many today. Which, if any of these four, is correct? What if there is both a pre-tribulation and a mid-tribulation catching up? Two catching up events for two completely different reasons. Herein, some say, lies the unsolved mysteries of this event that most do not understand correctly and yet argue profusely. Why do people argue so profusely about something they know little or even nothing about? That is the question that needs a most pressing answer today. By not answering that question, God's church, his people, remains divided and at odds with each other. This is not a good witness to those outside God's body of people. It is one reason those who do not know God do not want anything to do with this kind of argumentative people who say they are God's people. After all, if a person lives in a life filled with argumentative people, why do they want to join a church where more of this argumentative type of people are also? To be clear, there is arguing that is productive and should be better called debate. This can be very constructive, especially in a business setting. However, what I am referring to are those who argue to be like abrasive sandpaper in the lives of those they come in contact with. Most things that people say are met with an argumentative voice by a few other argumentative people. This is what we need not to be known for if we want people to come to church and find Christ for themselves. In episode 2, we learned not everyone is going to heaven to live eternally. Scripture reads, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels in a circle around the throne, as well as the living creatures and the elders. Their number was ten thousand times ten thousand, hyphen, thousands times thousands. Do you understand the difficulty John had trying to relate to us, the reader, the total number of people he saw? Notice. 10,000 times 10,000 only equals 100 million people. For us today, if we use the parable of the sower and the seed, found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23, to get a conservative number, how can 100 million be 25% of the total world population if there is any truth? to the conservative number found in the aforementioned parable. 
the number, while very general, is embellished by the hyphenated phrase, quote, thousands times thousands, end quote. Obviously, a number beyond that current-day ability to record or be expressed verbally by John. Even if an exact number can be known now, numbers for counting were far more limited in John's day. Ten to the twelfth power, for example, did not exist in biblical times. Numbers that big simply were not required in John's day. After all, Man was not building multi-leveled steel and glass buildings, large steel bridges, passenger jet airplanes, and so on. In fact, in many cases, measurements were still made with general measurements based on human body parts like the cubit. However, according to the Population Reference Bureau website at PRB, that's P as in Peter, R as in Robert, B as in boy, dot org. Their header on the reference page reads, quote, Given a current global population of about 7.8 billion, the revised estimate means those alive in 2020 represent nearly 7% of the total number of people who have ever lived, end quote. They further state, in an estimate, about 117 billion members of our species have ever been born on earth. If, by using the parable of the sower and the seed, we take 25% of that number, we get 29 billion 250 million people, conservatively. Just the numbers we have at present have a great disparity. This is why the largest number in the biblical day was added to with the phrase, quote, thousands times thousands, end quote. Just how thousands times thousands defines the actual number will remain unknown until we are a part of this number in heaven, provided that it will even matter by then. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, we read this, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels in a circle around the throne, as well as the living creatures and the elders. Their number was ten thousand times ten thousand hyphen, thousands, times, thousands. At the very least, this verse implies either a much larger group of elders or an additional body of living entities found in the indescribable number present in heaven. This is why I looked up the definition of overseer, lowercase, in Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament words, which defines elder. For clarity, it means, note, presbuteros, quote, an elder, end quote, is another term for the same person as bishop or overseer.
the term, quote, elder, end quote, indicates the mature spiritual experience and understanding of those so described. The term, quote, bishop, end quote, or, quote, overseer, end quote, indicates the character of the work undertaken, according to the divine will and appointment, as in the New Testament, there were to be bishops in every local church. Where the singular is used, the passage is describing what a bishop should be. Revelation chapter 7 verse 14 reads, So I said to him, My Lord, you know the answer. Then he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This would seem contrary to what we have already learned about us being in heaven already. This also shows how just taking one verse can cause us to assume something that is not meant to be conveyed by the writer. So, first, let us read the entire context before we dig deeper into verse 14. Understand, too, if there is any catching up of people from the first half of the tribulation period, this could be possible prophetic words to that point. Nonetheless, what does this passage tell us? Let us read the full context, starting in verse 9. After these things I looked, and here was an enormous crowd that no one could count made up of persons from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb dressed in long white robes and with palm branches in their hands. They were shouting out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, to the one seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood there in a circle, around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they threw themselves down with their faces to the ground before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen! Praise and glory and worship and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever! Amen! Then one of the elders asked me, these dressed in long white robes, who are they and where have they come from? So I said to him, My Lord, lowercase meaning respect, My Lord, you know the answer. Then he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will never go hungry or be thirsty again, and the sun will not beat down on them, nor any burning heat, because the lamb in the middle of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. From Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. Please note, 
Originally, I misstated a comment of this passage. I said, so, in chapter 7, verse 14, in context, it appears to be an affirmation of verse 9, giving greater explanation of God saved in Christ already being in heaven. What I meant to point out was the two very different settings telling us of two ascensions into heaven, one before the Great Tribulation and one halfway through the Great Tribulation. My apologies for this incorrect notation of my notes and completely missing it in that episode. Again, my apologies. Getting back to the above scripture passage, this ends this chapter, and then chapter 8 is where the seventh seal is opened. There is solid reasoning for us having two bodies in 1 Corinthians. The first, a natural body, which we all live in now. Then, a new body we will be raised into if we die here and now, or will be raised into while we live when Jesus comes for us before the Great Tribulation period. Now, watch as we get a better description of what we just read as the context deepens. Now, this is what I am saying, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now, when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will happen. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 58. Now, looking deeper into this issue, we read, Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52. Remember what we learned about the usage of the word mystery in this way? The word mystery in this usage means the same thing we use today. Today we say, 
let me show you a new thing. In biblical times, one said the same thing this way. Let me show you a mystery. After all, isn't a new thing a mystery in its own way because we have never seen the new thing before? Maybe that is a bit more poetically stated in literary fashion, but it effectively tells us what the author meant to communicate. In 1 Corinthians chapter 50, verses 54 through 55, we read, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Clearly quoted here in 1 Corinthians, but it is still reiterated while not an exact quote of Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. This is now helping us build continuity of this subject, for we see the same thing spoken in both Isaiah and quoted in the book of Matthew. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8, we see further that he will swallow up death in victory or forever. This is to be understood not of a spiritual death which is swallowed up in conversion and of which those that are quickened shall never die more, nor of the conversion of the Jews which will be as life from the dead, nor of the civil death of the witness and of their rising, who afterwards will never die more, in that sense, but of a corporeal death. This Christ has swallowed up in victory by dying on the cross, both with respect to himself, who will never die more, and with respect to his people, from whom he has abolished it as a penal evil, but it chiefly respects the resurrection state, or the personal coming of Christ, when the dead in him shall rise first and shall never die more, there will be no more death, neither corporeal, spiritual, nor eternal to them. On them death shall have no power in any shape, and then will this saying be brought about or fulfilled as the Apostle has interpreted it, from the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, this statement, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Then, in cross-reference, in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8, we read, He will swallow up death permanently. Notice the formatting here. In the Old Testament, it is spoken of as a future event. The statement opens with, He will. Then, the New Testament says, Death has. Folks, the New Testament passage opens in past tense as if it has already happened. Now, with regard to those not saved in Christ, who have chosen to live as they choose and without God, 
We read the result of that thinking when the option to choose Christ is no longer available. Please note that Sheol is another name for what we today call hell. We read, Will I deliver them from the power of Sheol? No, I will not. Will I redeem them from death? No, I will not. O death, bring on your plagues. O Sheol, bring on your destruction. My eyes will not show any compassion. From Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. This is what is spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 50, verse 55, when the questions are asked about victory and the sting of death. Death is not victory since victory is found in the salvation of Jesus Christ. There is no sting in victory. So, death is what carries this sting said here in Scripture. We next examined signs of the end of the age. We examined Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8, Mark 13, verses 3 through 8, and Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 9, because all three passages have something the others do not. This helps us build the fuller story of what Jesus had to say. We found he first gives them, his disciples, a caution to beware of deception. They were to be constantly on their guard, as many would arise to deceive the people. Many shall come in my name, not in the name or by the authority of Jesus, but in the name of the Messiah, or claiming to be the Messiah. I am Christ. I am the Messiah. The Messiah was expected at that time. Many would lay claims to being the Messiah, and, as he was universally expected, many would easily be led to believe in them. There is abundant evidence that this was fully accomplished. Josephus informs us that there were many who pretended to divine inspiration, deceived the people, leading out numbers of them into the desert. Quote, the land, end quote, says he, was overrun with magicians, seducers, and impostors who drew the people after them in multitudes into solitudes and deserts to see the signs and miracles which they promised to show by the power of God. Among these are mentioned particularly the Thesis, the Samaritan, who affirmed that he was Christ, Simon Magus, who said he appeared among the Jews as the Son of God, and Thaddeus, who persuaded many to go with him to the River Jordan to see the waters divided. The names of 24 false messiahs are recorded as having appeared between the time of the Emperor Adrian and the year 1682. From Barnes' New Testament Notes We should also note these final comments. The Lord began to say something to them. What he says is the beginning.
beginning of his teaching and not a completed whole. It is teaching that they have to work out in their lives and in which he continues to teach them more and more. The introductory words of his teaching are a warning. They indicate that his concern is not to satisfy their curiosity, but that he wants to apply his words to their hearts and consciences. All his directions and warnings are given in this gospel for their service. He first of all points out that the time when these things will happen will be a time of great misleading. Many will pretend to be the Messiah. Each of those false messiahs will say it is him, and many will be caught up in it. These false messiahs will owe their success to the unbelief of the masses who prefer to believe the lie rather than acknowledge the truth and repent. It is also a tremendously misleading time today when people have renounced the Christian faith because it has been taken away from them by religious leaders. A gap has opened in which the demons are eager to fill it with their deceptive teachings. From King Comments Commentary on the Whole Bible I think the primary caution is found in the last portion of King Comments Commentary. Many will pretend to be the Messiah. These false messiahs will owe their success to the unbelief of the masses who prefer to believe the lie rather than acknowledge the truth and repent. It is also a tremendously misleading time today when people have renounced the Christian faith because it has been taken away from them by religious leaders. A gap has opened in which the demons are eager to fill it with their deceptive teachings. Next week, we will complete our examination of this subject in this final review. We will finish summarizing things from all these episodes for clearer understanding of what this important series is telling us. We will see several things in this entire series that will help us further get a handle on this subject that we can all take home for ourselves. Join us next week for our final episode titled The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 17. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach 
uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.